Our Old Testament lesson for today comes from the prophet Micah. I'll be reading from chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Our gospel lesson today is from Luke chapter 4. I invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. I'll be reading verses 16 through 22. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive, and recovery of sight to the blind, and set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Right. Thank you, Pastor Maria. I believe... Last Sunday, I read two of my favorite scriptures, and this Sunday, we read two of your favorite scriptures. So, uh, Daniel, pick out a couple, and uh, I'll use them. Revelation, on second thought. Well, we'll, we'll take that under advisement. Uh, anyway, uh, these, are, these are excellent passages, uh, and, and they talk about the, the fourth part of the scriptural plan of salvation that I'd like to share with you. Um, you know, I got to keep it simple. And over the years, I've, I've developed this simple little mantra to help me remember the plan of salvation. It's oversimplified. You need to search the scriptures and study it out for yourself. But the writer of First Peter uh, wrote in First Peter three fifteen: Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. If someone came up to you and called you to account for the hope that is in you, what would you say? Would you bumble and stumble and fumble around for words? Or would you uh, be ready? I would like to submit to you that it is possible to be ready, even in a simplified version, that we can kind of get started and open up the dialogue about what God is doing in our world. 
And so um, you won't have to ask your pastor. You could call him up and say, hey, you've been to seminary. Would you help this person? No, you can be able to respond yourself. And it was in the call to worship. Did you happen to notice that? If you were here last week, I started out with the first three of five elements that make up the plan of salvation that uh, I try to rehearse over and over so that I will not forget them. Um, so repeat after me if, if you remember. God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. Jesus made it right. Jesus made it right. Now, I wanted to say Jesus made it right until this Sunday, but I just couldn't bear to leave you hanging with we messed it up last week because we all are painfully aware of how this is kind of a messed up world in which we live. So we want to talk a little bit about that today. But what Jesus unleashed upon the world is um, a, a, a heavenly gift where we can have our sins forgiven, we can have strength to engage the troubles of this world, and we can know that our souls will forever be in God's presence even when life is over. Now, the fourth element goes one step beyond, and it talks about the Spirit. Jesus said, I will send you another comforter, the advocate from the Father himself, to be with you forever. Even the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth about the things that I have taught you. And so the fourth part of the plan of salvation is the Holy Spirit gets heaven into our souls. Would you say that with me? The Holy Spirit gets heaven into our souls. Whereas Jesus made it right, gets our soul into heaven that's not the end. Now, that's all you need to get to heaven. I mean, those who have a, a confession and realize on their deathbed that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, yeah, they acknowledge their faith. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know what? I wouldn't wait that long because you miss out on the best part. You miss out on... Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. And we can know that all is well within. Even though the world around us is crashing down, we can have a peace that surpasses our best understanding. God's Spirit brings heaven to our soul. It's kind of like... How many of you like sesame? I, I like to go to sesame. My wife and I go to sesame. It's uh, right there in front of uh, uh, Target. It, it's Mediterranean food. Oh, it is good stuff. But, you know, when, when I go to, to, to get a meal, I, I like more than a meal. Now, when Jesus made it right, it's like you've had the meal. You've, uh, you've gotten your, your soul into heaven. You've had the bread and, and the wine. And uh, you know that you are right with God. But... Jesus wants so much more than that. And so when I go into Sesame, I've gotten so I want much more than that. They've got these counters with delicious desserts in them. Go check it out. Their chocolate cake is that big. Their tiramisu is that thick. <clears throat> and they have all kinds of baklava and other kinds of Mediterranean eats. And the mocha cheesecake. <sighs> It's not quite to die for. I'm not ready to do that. 
<coughs> but it is delicious. It is delicious. So it's kind of like uh, Jesus makes it right, but there's dessert to be had. Save room for dessert. And dessert is by what Jesus sent through the power of his spirit so that we might experience life and, and have it a little more abundantly because of the presence of God's spirit in the world. I picture it like a piece of chocolate cake, except I would do more than chocolate cake. I would get some ice cream, and I would put some ice cream on Not one scoop, two, uh, on, on the chocolate cake. And then uh, I will have already gotten one of those cans of whipped topping that you can spread on top of the ice cream. And then what do you put on top of the whip? A marshino cherry. Yes. Well, yeah, okay. Peanuts. It doesn't get any better than that. Marshino cherry. Now, I get two marshino cherries because my wife doesn't really like marshino cherries, so she always donates one to the pastor. And so I get two marshino cherries, and it doesn't get any better than that. How many of you like marshino cherries? Yeah? How many of you don't like marshino cherries? Daniel! I had a fellow after first service said, I'm quitting the church because Pastor Daniel doesn't like marshinos. <laughs> well, we wished him well. We'll eat his for him. He was just kidding, uh, I hope. Uh, wait to see the emails tomorrow. Well, anyway, um, but that's a little bit what heaven is. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul, and it's what makes it possible for me to make sense in the midst of the mess of life. And we can truly say the best is yet to be, even though we got some tough stuff that we have to face. You and I both know that our world is quite broken, and there is a, a lot of division in our world and in our country today. One of the, the, um, uh, the heroes in, in our culture that I've been um, immersing myself in most recently is the Reverend Dr. William Barber II. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him or not. He gave a powerful speech at the Democratic National Convention in 2016, and he's been on a roll ever since. In fact, there are some news outlets that uh, uh, declare that um, uh, William Barber is the new Martin Luther King Jr., Look him up. I mean, if you got time, if the sermon gets boring, you got a phone. Uh, Google, Google him, William Barber. And uh, it's a powerful message. And, and just recently, uh, in December, he uh, was made the founding director of Yale Divinity School Center for Public Theology and Public Policy. It's powerful what he's talking about. And uh, he's, he, you know, when, when we are, are, are polarized into left versus right versus conservative versus liberal, woke versus unwoke, red states, blue states, and in, in uh, religious circles, the red state Jesus and the blue state Jesus and the blue state Jesus think the red state Jesus are all washed up and the red state, it goes, it's, it's a mess. Well, he advocates and is an activist for what's often called fusion politics. It creates political coalitions 
that transcend these divides and takes a look at some of the basic difficulties in our culture today. He says it's a coalition of the rejected stones of America. The poor, the immigrants, the working class whites, the religious minorities, the people of color, and members of the LGBTQ community. These people can come together and transform the country because they share a common enemy. Inequality. The same forces demonizing immigrants are also attacking low-wage workers. The same politicians denying living wages are also suppressing the vote. The same people who want less of us to vote are also denying the evidence of the climate crisis and refusing to act now. The same people who are willing to destroy the earth are willing to deny tens of millions of Americans access to health care. I got one more quote. Got time? We say in our founding documents that every politician swears to promote the general welfare of all people. You're not promoting the general welfare of all people when you get elected and you go to Congress and get free health care, but then sit in Congress and block the people who elected you from having the same thing. We say equal protection under the law is fundamental. Well, there's nothing equal about corporations getting all kinds of tax breaks and all kinds of ways to make more and more money while the average worker makes 300% less than the CEOs. In religious circles, he says, that's like misquoting Jesus. It's morally inconsistent, morally indefensible, and economically insane. Look him up. We need to be listening to these voices. Because it's the same kind of voice that Jesus had when he went into the, to the synagogue uh, in Nazareth that day when he went back to his hometown. The context for that scripture was Jesus having come out of the desert where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights, tempted to become a magician, tempted to get instant ratification, uh, tempted to usurp all the power of the world, and he decided no. Instead, he was going to be a servant he was going to bring good news, and if he had to suffer for it, then he would suffer for it. And the text says he came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he began teaching uh, from village to village in their synagogues, and all wondered at uh, what gracious words came from his mouth. And then he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. There was a, a prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene. He was raised in Nazareth, makes sense. And he came back to Nazareth to announce what God had anointed him to do. Nazareth was a village of about 400 people at the time. And it was up on a, a, a hilltop. You could see for miles from Nazareth. And when he came, he went into the synagogue and if you were a male and you could uh, do it, uh, you might stand up and volunteer to read. And so he did. And there was handed to him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the scroll to where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim release to the captives. 
He has proclaimed the recovery of sight to the blind. He has sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus went into Nazareth, his goal was to help the people see how God is creating something new and seeking to bring a little bit more abundance into our earthly life and bringing a little bit heaven to be in our midst to inform us and to guide us and to equalize the troubles that mount against us. And they loved what they heard until he continued. Now, I usually get nasty emails on Monday morning. <laughs> Nobody gets up during the service and drags me out of the synagogue like they did that day. Why did they do that? Because he started meddling. That's why. He started saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, which means it's me. I'm the one anointed to bring good news, and I'm doing it now. <laughs> he said, what? This is Joseph's son. He's just a carpenter's boy. What does he know? And then he said, doubtless you will say to me, physician, heal yourself. Do the miracles you did in Capernaum. Do them so we can all see them. Do some magic here. And then he goes on to say, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about God coming into this world with a message of inclusion and welcome for all God's children, not just for the Hebrew children, all God's children. And he reminded them of, of uh, Elijah so many years before when there was a famine in the land and God sent him to a widow in a foreign place in Zarephath. And it was there that he got some food and Elijah blessed her. So there was a blessing for a foreign person now, wait a minute, Jesus, you're, you're meddling. God loves us. God doesn't love those folks. And then Jesus went on to say, remember Elisha? When uh, there were a lot of lepers in the land of Israel, but who got healing at the hands of Elisha? But Naaman, the guy from Syria? Listen, God's got a thing for this messed up world, and it's not just for us who are the Jewish faithful. It's for all people everywhere. And as he talked, they got so they couldn't stand it anymore because he was letting in some people who were different and unacceptable in God's eyes. And he told us to love them. And that's why they rushed him out of the synagogue to the brow of a hill and threatened to throw him headlong. But his story was too brilliant and his burning too bright. And passing through the midst of them, he went on his way and he continued to share the good news about how to get our souls into heaven and how to get heaven into our soul. He said to his disciples, Yet in a little while I shall leave you, but I will not leave you orphaned. I will send you another counselor. I will send you an advocate, another helper, even the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you go. And the Holy Spirit will help you live life a little more abundantly 
so that you can experience some heaven while you're waiting for the day of glorification. Wow. It's a powerful story of God's grace given for our world. And it wasn't just for them in Nazareth long ago. It's for us today as well. We've got good news to share. And for some, it'll be good news. And for some, they won't like it because they want to continue in their prejudices and hatred and parochialism and all that stuff. But we share it anyway because it's the right thing to do. I want to thank you for being the church here at Aldersgate. In the time that I've been here with you, I have thoroughly been immersed in your determination to make a difference in our world. To not just try to get souls into heaven, but to try to make the world a better place by getting some heaven into our world. So thank you for that. It's a blessing to serve here. We had bingo night. Some of you were at bingo night the other night. That was fun. Did, did, did you bingo any? You didn't bingo. Anybody bingo? Yep, yep, yep. We got lots of bingos. It was fun. It's a little bit of heaven on earth it was. 264 people. Wow, we raised uh, over $1,200 so that Vacation Bible School will be free for every child who comes, whether they're a member of this church or whether they come off the street. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Now, we've determined... Uh, <clears throat> that we are going to continue that legacy of making the world a better place. And uh, what you did, and whether you realize it or not, and I'm talking about it because it leaks, it gets away from us, you set a vision for our congregation and six goals for 2023 that will help make the world a better place. Now, we're doing a lot of good already, and we're going to continue doing that, but we've decided to emphasize a few things to help make it even better. Uh, last week, I shared the vision. I'd like for you to memorize this, if you would. Um, we might put it up on the screen to help you out a little bit today. And there it is. This is the vision statement that you all approved. And it says, read it with me, Aldersgate, a place of warm hearts and active hands where lives are transformed by God's word and spirit. Commit that to memory, because that's what we're about we want to be warm hearts and active hands so that lives can be transformed. That's why you come every Sunday. You come every Sunday to cultivate that which puts the ice cream on the chocolate cake and the Cool Whip and the Marchino cherries. That's what we're all about. We set six goals for this year that we uh, hope to uh, emphasize in addition to the good things that we do. I want to review those with you. Some of them we're already kind of already doing. Uh, the first one is to develop and implement a labyrinth ministry. What is a labyrinth? Well, if you don't know, just step outside the east door here and you'll see Nicole Saylor, one of our Girl Scouts, working on her Golds Project a couple years ago, helped redo that whole area, got lots of volunteers involved, and now it's ready to dedicate and to use to help us gain strength spiritually 
and to pray for our world and to take steps toward a better day. And so uh, we want to develop that and implement that further. We have our adult education team, uh, our um, healthy congregations, and our memorials committee are teaming up together to help implement a powerful ministry which will strengthen you to meet the challenges of every day. So we're going to do that. Come spring, you don't have to go out there today, but come spring. The second thing that we want to emphasize as a goal this year, and, and that is to develop and implement an intentional welcome team. Now, Bill and Sonia Reagan, bless your hearts, wave at us. Wave at us. I just love you guys. Bill, you had your coat on, and you were outside opening the door. You know, there are a lot of people who come to church, they join Aldersgate, and they call this a welcoming congregation. And then there's, there's some who don't choose Aldersgate, and they say, well, you're welcoming if we know you. Well, we want to address that by creating an intentional welcoming ministry so that what Bill and Sonia do, we can enhance and broaden, not only by what we do as we relate to one another, but by how we look when people come in the doors. We've got some ideas and some plans for the Narthex area to beautify it even more than it already is and to make it a warm and welcoming space. So you'll be hearing more about that as we make plans and as we look toward uh, that day. What's the goal? Get a little heaven on earth. Number three. Oh, we're already doing this. We want to publish a new pictorial directory. Thank you all for being a part of that. And if you haven't taken your picture, uh, take your picture or, or, or find a way to upload the one you already have. Uh, we've already um, got the app on our new senior pastor's phone, and he's already beginning to associate names and faces so that when he gets here in July, he'll already know most of you. How good is that? And so uh, we're already doing that. I think it will have blessings that will be um, wonderful. Number four, number four. Uh, oh, yes, we want to raise up and intentionally train laity for leadership. Now, we're already doing this. We do this uh, through Vacation Bible School. We do this through confirmation with the youth. We do this through educational and fellowship opportunities for adults. But uh, we want to help people live into their God-given call to be leaders. And you can lead from every chair. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't even need to be chairperson of a committee. Um, uh, but God is calling each one of us, and I'll talk more about that next week when I talk about the fifth um, part of the plan of salvation, that God has uniquely gifted each one of us to change the world. Uh, number five, oh, this is so cool. We want to hire a children's ministry intern. Uh, the, the staff parish committee <coughs> budgeted for this, and... Um, the, the, the administrative board approved it. The finance team has reviewed it. And um, Cynthia is the brainchild for this. Uh, you're smiling back there. What do you want to say about it, Cynthia? <laughs> you needed it badly because these children are just wonderful. And, and are, are we talking about anybody? Maddie Brownell is going to be our ministry intern. 
She's cheering for the Chiefs today, but she'll be cheering for the <laughs> she'll be cheering for the the ministry of the children uh, following spring break and into the summer. And the goal is to uh, do even better what we already do great, um, and that is powerful. So uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you, Aldersgate. One more. And this is one that we have a dream. We've had a, a social justice team. We've in the past had a, a reconciling small group ministries team. And here, uh, those kind of came and went. COVID didn't help on, on those. But what we'd like to do is to enhance our ministries by developing a justice ministry team, a JMT, a JMT. And uh, not a Justin ministry team, <laughs> but a justice ministry team. We'll take care of you with ice cream. And, uh, <clears throat> but this is a powerful thing. Our missions committee has been at the forefront of mercy ministries. In fact, our chair, Gwen Whitted, is uh, right now in the Dominican Republic practicing what she preaches. And we got a team that's going to go to Tanzania this summer. We're making a difference at New Covenant. We're doing all kinds of things. And uh, what we want to do is to um, begin again uh, in the area of uh, justice. So we have mercy and justice ministries, and that's making the world a better place. Why? Because we want to do what Jesus did when he went to Nazareth. We want to make the world a better place for our having been here. Pastor Maria is the point person for this. And uh, so uh, if any of you would like to uh, be on the forefront of, of ministry here in the church and would uh, offer yourselves to be a part of a justice ministry team to envision what that might look like to make the world a better place, we invite you to talk to any one of the pastors, or particularly Pastor Maria. That's your church in action. A vision, six goals, Jesus at the helm, paving the way to unleash God's grace on the world. Will you repeat this with me one more time? God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. Jesus made it right. Jesus made it right. God's Spirit brings heaven to our soul. God's Spirit brings heaven to our soul. Believe it, receive it, live it. Amen.